Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host, na 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 it's Micah. <laughs> I get that one. I get that one. I thought that you were going to do something really obscure, like pick a seal song or something. <laughs> or, a, or a Smashing Pumpkins song. Because they, they did uh, Smashing Pumpkins had, I don't know if you remember the Watchmen preview, like when that was, was coming out. I don't. I don't remember the preview. No. Oh, did you see the movie? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so this, the preview had the Smashing Pumpkins, uh, the the beginning is the end is the beginning, whatever that song name is. But that movie originally came out with the Batman and Robin movie with Chris O'Donnell. Wait, what? Yeah. They released a song. Smashing Pumpkins released a song with the Batman and Robin movie uh, with Chris O'Donnell playing Robin. Oh, okay. And George Clooney as Batman. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, re- I had that poster of that movie when I was a kid. Oh, with uh, like Batman up top and was Alicia Silverstone on the right side. Yeah. Poison then, Ivy's on the left and freezes at the bottom. Yeah, and Robin's standing there next to him. Yeah. Nipples in his suit and everything. Nipples and all, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a film. Yeah. What a film. Good thankfully, stuff. thankfully we're not getting into that Batman today. No, we're going to talk about some Batman in the Court of Owls. Yeah. So I've got a fun story regarding the Court of Owls. Uh-huh. Um, my buddies and I... My buddies are also your buddies. I don't know why I said it that way. Um, but, but, but we would go to... These buddies, you say. We have buddies, yeah. Um, we would go to PAX East, and we one year we decided to cosplay. And we, when it first started out, it was just four of us. And then next year, it was like six of us. And the next year, it was like nine of us. And the next year, it was way too much. And PAX is like a like a video game convention, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a big video game convention in Boston. Um. So when we when we went there, we decided to cosplay one year, and we were trying to think of something that all of us. There was a big group of us. I think that there was eight that year, uh, maybe seven, maybe six, something. Like there was a lot of us, and we were trying to think of something that would work for all of us, so that we'd be a unified group. And I don't remember who came up with it. I'm gonna take credit for it and say that it was me. Yeah, none of those idiots are here. Exactly. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> it all was you. Definitely from my ideas. My, from what I recall, it was. 100% your idea and everybody agreed. Yeah, because it was such a good idea. That it was your idea, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, dude, let's be the Court of Owls. Um, like the high society, flutant Gotham uh, aristocrats. And they were like, oh, what a great idea, Micah. I can't believe that you had that idea. And so we ended up going, at the time, you could purchase the collection of Court of Owls. And it came with a Court of Owls mask. Just a plastic mask came with the comic books. I'm like, perfect. It was like 20 bucks. Everybody bought one. They got the comic. They got the mask. But the downside to it was that um, the mask, like the eye holes were just holes for your eyes. And I thought, we don't look menacing at all. We don't look scary or creepy. So we went to Joanne Fabrics. Oh, like it didn't cover the eyes at all? Exactly. You just see your eyes through it? Yes. That's weird. Yeah. So we went to Joanne Fabrics. I found some kind of veneer type of like i don't know if veneer is the right term but kind of a velvety see-through type of like black. A spandex kind of something like that yeah 
um, black fabric, and then we hot glued the fabric on the inside of the mask so that we could see out, but people couldn't see in. And so we went there, and uh, we all dressed up in suits slash button-ups because Colin doesn't get too fancy. But we took a shuttle all the time. PAX would do this thing where they would send out shuttles to the hotels that they would make agreements with. So you could go to a hotel, and they would have a PAX shuttle. It would show up you know, throughout the day. So we would jump on the shuttle, and we made a pact that when we were on the shuttle, we didn't talk at all. And so all of us got on with our masks. That was another thing. We had to keep our masks on the whole time. And so we just flooded the bus. And there were people that would sit next to us, and then one of us would just stare at them and kind of tilt our head. And then everybody (laughs) else would stare at them and then tilt their head. And then there was one guy who was outside – and our seats, the, where we were sitting, like our backs were against the side of the bus. So it was against the windows. And we were kind of facing each other, facing in towards the bus. Yeah. And so we were sitting there and one of our buddies goes, there's this guy on the street freaking out because he sees the Court of Owls. Yeah. He recognizes like, oh, yeah. I'm a fucking nerd too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so he saw the people facing his window. But there's us, like me and, and two other people were sitting at the on the side of the bus where he was on, but we weren't facing him. So we all slowly turned. And when we did that, he just flipped out. He was just like jumping up and down, like throwing fists in the air. He thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, you just made that dork's day for yeah, sure. It was, <laughs> it was so cool. And every time we found a Batman... In packs, we would follow him and not talk to him at all. We would just stalk him. (laughs) (laughs) That's very cool. That's very funny. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot. We even did rock band with the owl suits on and everything. Good times. Good times. Those are good memories. That sounds fun, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Solid time. Court of Owls, great. Great cosplay. (sighs) What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book hey folks make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at get wrecked podcast on instagram and facebook or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show you can contact us directly via email or i don't know maybe you just want to send us some feet pics you creep i don't know what you're into i don't care we'll review those too what do you think of that huh In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. (laughs) Whenever whenever you want to go. Oh, that's right. We already started. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. So, yeah. So, we are, uh, we're getting into the Court of Owls. Um, this is something that came out with DC did this whole rebranding, this whole kind of reset in their universe, and they called it the new 52. And so when they did that, it was kind of on, um, they noticed that Marvel had something called the ultimate universe. They saw that Marvel had something called the ultimate universe and it was kind of, um, it was a rebranding. It took a lot of the same characters, but it kind of modernized them and made them for a younger audience, purposely so. So they wanted to do something similar to that, but of course they're not going to do the exact same thing that DC, Marvel does, so they're going to do it in their own way. 
have you heard of New 52 beyond like what's written on the cover? I've heard of New 52. Once again, not super knowledgeable on comics. Yeah. But that was generally my understanding. It was essentially like a kind of just refreshing the heroes, resetting their storylines was my assumption was that they were like, we're going to retell the the heroes, but give them kind of like a fresh look. Yeah. Something like that. Essentially, that's what it was. There was this big event called Flashpoint, which I think that the new Flash movie coming out is loosely based on because Flash can enter many multiverses because of his powers. They're real dumb. And he kind of resets a lot of things. So that culminates in this new 52 where everything gets reset and it becomes a good entry point for new people, new comic readers to jump in on. <clears throat> the reason that they call it... it Oh, go ahead. I was just about to ask. I'm assuming that's what you were just about to answer the question I was about to ask. Why do they call it the new 52? Is it 52 characters that they redid? So it was 52 comics that they released at the same time. when They, they basically cut everything off and started 52 comics. Okay. So 52 titles that came out. But this was in reference because they call it the new 52. There was an old 52 as well which was kind of this crazy thing where it's totally separate, but they thought, what would the world look like in DC without the big three? Without Superman, without Batman, and without Wonder Woman. They call them the DC Trinity. It's like they're Yeah, for powerful. sure. They're the most powerful. They're yep. the most prevalent, the most famous. So they did a year where... They had a continuous storyline. A new issue came out every week, which okay. is why it was called 52, because there's 52 weeks in a year. Oh, okay. And it was, what is the world doing without these three in it? Interesting. So Batman took all of his bat kids and all of the bat family and went off somewhere to like meditate or do something like that. Uh, Superman went off planet and... Wonder Woman stayed in Themyscira. Yeah, went back to the Amazon or wherever she's from. Yeah. So it gave a lot of other characters a really good like moment to shine. So Booster Gold was really, really prevalent. He was one of the main characters in that. Um, there was another guy named Steel who was one of the main characters. Did Black he turn to Steel? So Steel was like this guy who he showed up after Superman died. From the Death of Superman comic where he died from Doomsday. He and Doomsday basically duked it out and killed each other. And when he died, a whole bunch of other Supermen showed up. Four of them. And one of them was this guy named Steel. And it basically was just this dude in a metal suit with the Superman S on his chest. And he had a big metal hammer. Oh, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it was... It was it's kind of a cool, cool character. But anyway, that's where the term 52 came from. And that was... 52 issues so then when this resets they called it the new 52 they picked that number i think because of branding because they did 52 like a couple of years back okay and said now we'll make 52 new issues and this will be the starting point for the dc with that batman of course is one of the starting comics from it because he's one of the big three and the first arc in this is the court of owls arc so this was the the, the jumping off point of this brand new starting point of the dc universe for batman okay so uh with that being said that's kind of a weird history lesson into dc thor general thoughts where are we at with this 
Um, I didn't know entirely what to get into because I'm not a huge Batman fan. How dare you? Any more than pro- most people who don't read comics. I loved the cartoon when I was a kid. Batman, Batman Forever, the the cartoons. Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Batman Forever was one of the films. Yes. Yeah, it was Val Kilmer. Yeah. So I I loved the Batman movies as a kid, mm-hmm. specifically not not like the original two. Okay. But Forever and then Batman and Robin. Yes. Okay. Yeah, those were kind of my. They were the Schumacher films. The film, the film introduction to Batman. Okay. So I loved those, and as an adult, I'm a fan of obviously the Dark Knight series is great. Yeah. The Batman that just came out was very good. Yes, with Edward so, Cullen. But I'm but I'm not a huge, I'm, I'm just not a huge Batman fan. So sure. I didn't entirely know what to expect. Okay. But I really I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I liked. Once again, not a huge comic guy, but the comics I have read, this thing does a lot of what I enjoy. It has really dark, gritty art. Yes. It plays with the panels in weird ways. It's not like crazy. It's not a mess, but it it has a lot of parts where it does interesting, neat things with the panels. That's like one of my favorite parts of comics. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's like panel layout and playing with the panels and breaking them and kind of how the pages are set up. Sure. That to me is more interesting than the actual art itself oftentimes. <laughs> For sure it is. I just I I love the panel like comic book paneling. It's so so neat and interesting to me. It's really evolved over time. It used to just be grids, you know, back in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, so it turning into like treating each um each page as a piece of artwork in addition to the artwork within each panel. Yeah. Really, I think kind of came about in the eighties and nineties of comics. And then they've just evolved since then. And it hasn't stopped. Yeah. The artist for this, the main guy. So this is written by Scott Snyder and the main artist, the penciler is Greg Capullo. Cause with comics, there's never just one artist or at least nine times out of 10, there's never just one artist. Somebody who does the pencil work, somebody who does the ink, and then somebody who colors it afterwards. So Greg Capullo is credited as the artist. He did the pencils. Uh, This guy named Jonathan, I think it's Glapian, Glapian, uh, did the inking, and then somebody else colored it. It, to me, struck me as a very interesting look, a very interesting aesthetic for Batman, because the content is fairly dark in this comic, Um, but the art style, I don't want to say that it's cartoonish, but it's kind of, it's a little cartoonish. Okay, I can see that. I, I think, as far as the way that the characters are drawn, um, it's not like a, in my opinion, it's not like a classic comic book art style. Okay. They they feel, I don't know, it just, to me, it seems a little bit more cartoonish, um, which I think gives it a really, really neat look. Basically, this comic focuses on the Court of Owls, which is a secret society of aristocrats that kind of run Gotham from the shadows. Yeah, and have been doing so for, like, hundreds of years. Yeah. And so Batman kind of stumbles into it and kind of... uh, That's the whole premise of this, is he's kind of figuring out and investigating what these guys are because he didn't know anything about him. And, And there's a lot of correlation into this as, like, Batman is the symbol of Gotham. He is equal to Gotham. He is Gotham. But then there's this other thing called the Court of Owls that's just as prevalent 
but kind of a secret from everybody. Yeah, I I like that they really explore almost this concept of Batman's arrogance. Yeah. In that he thinks he knows this is my city. Yeah. I know everything that's going on here. I am <laughs> Gotham. Batman is Gotham. And then he just gets kicked in the nuts when he realizes that <laughs> these fucking psychos have been running everything from the shadows. And they've seen other Batmans before. You know, they've seen other heroes before. Yeah. And they're essentially eternal. Yeah. Their their organization. They've always been pulling the strings. Yeah. And they've got these weird assassins that show up and bat they call them talons. And so Batman fights one, but it is essentially an undead man. So he like kicks it off a roof, does things that should kill anybody, and the thing just keeps on showing up. Dick Grayson has a big part in this. Nightwing um, is a pretty big character as well. So can you explain that a little bit to me? Because, well, tell me if I got this right. Batman's original first Robin was Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson. Yes. And then Dick Grayson grew up, and Batman's like, I can't be running around with a man. So (laughs) he kicked him out, he turns him into Nightwing, and he's like, I need another young boy to follow me around into super dangerous situations. So basically... The mantle got passed to somebody else to be Robin, a, a the different of, young boy. Correct. Yeah, the mantle of Robin. Basically, as Dick Grayson grew up, mm-hmm. he and Batman started clashing. Okay. Their personalities, just adult Dick Grayson did not work well with Bruce Wayne. Didn't like taking orders, yeah. essentially. I mean, would be my assumption. Yeah, Batman's a little bit insane. There's... A little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. He's, he's got some issues. He, he dresses up like a bat, runs around <laughs> at night fighting crime, and has no family or friends, really. is just, like, yeah. driven by this all-consuming purpose of justice. Yeah, imagine having him as a parent, because that's what he was, <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, he is like, no, this is, wait, hold on. This is the way things are. You've got to do things according to the Batman code. And... Dick Grayson is kind of, I don't want to say that he's comedic relief out of the two, but he's definitely more lighthearted. And okay. he's just kind of, he's like, you know what, Bruce, you're a bit intense. We don't see eye to eye. I'm going to do my own thing. So he takes on them. He creates and takes on the mantle of Nightwing. And then Tim Drake comes in. I'm sorry. Jason Todd eventually comes in as Batman. I'm sorry, as Robin. Okay. But then Jason Todd is the Robin who gets murdered by the Joker, which was which was a vote by the public, by the way. They just didn't like him. The United States public, maybe it was in other countries as well, but the general public voted to murder a child. Um yes, yeah, cuz Jason Todd came in and he was very different as a Robin. He was um imagine having having your firstborn and your firstborn listens to what you want to say is eager to learn. Yeah, he's the perfect son. He's the golden boy. Jason Todd was not that. He fought back. He was a brat. He was snobby. Um, He questioned Batman's authority every single chance that he got. Also an orphan, though? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Bruce has a thing for orphans. (laughs) Yeah. So there's this comic uh, called Death in the Family. And... It is basically, it focuses on 
the Joker and Robin going after the Joker, getting taken in by the Joker, like just basically he he confronts the Joker, loses, and the comic ends with him in a warehouse, and you flip the page and it says, "Does Robin live or does Robin die?" Call this number because it was a uh, back in the eighties, I think. Call this number if you want him to live. Call this number if you want him to die. And so he dies. Evidently it was close, but he ends up getting murdered by the Joker. And he stayed dead for a long time. But nobody in comics stays dead forever. So eventually he comes back as the Red Hood. He basically gets stuck in the Lazarus pit by uh, with Ra's al Ghul. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Uh, Probably Liam from... Neeson, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the comics, Ra's al Ghul is hundreds of years old. He has this thing called the Lazarus Pit, which is essentially a pool that he bathes in that keeps him young. So they stick his, they stick Jason Todd's corpse in this pool, and it brings him back to life. Neat. Yeah, except he's got a whole lot of psychological issues because he was brought back from the dead. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, you tend to have psychological issues. Yeah. It? So then he ends up taking the moniker of the Red Hood because that was the Joker's original villain name. He was like a jewel thief that went by the Red Hood. Okay. So he kind of took that as a, um, in my opinion, as like a fuck you to the Joker because the Joker was the one who killed him. Okay. And kind of becomes an anti-hero type of thing. Uses guns. Uh, not quite a bad guy. Not quite a good guy. But more a good guy than a bad guy. Kills people. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. that's like Batman's one big thing, right? Is like you don't kill people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what they say, but but he's definitely killed people. <laughs> okay, yeah. like for sure, he's killed people. Yeah, like when he turned into a vampire. Yeah, yeah. There's that. <laughs> or in in um that, that that's one of the few uh, graphic novels I've read was like the the <laughs> the book where oh. Batman turns into a vampire. Oh, and fights Dracula. Yeah, he fights Dracula. Oh, I love that one. Vampire. It's very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, in, in Batman Returns, he straight up sticks a bomb to a goon's chest, looks at him and smiles, and then turns around and walks away as the bomb explodes. <laughs> like, Michael Keaton Batman was a bit vicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like the one rule that Batman doesn't do, except he uses battle axes and fight. Anyway, anyway, so this focuses on Grayson quite a bit. And you, you end up finding out that, like, Grayson's lineage were the Talons, and you find out that this assassin that was attacking Bruce was like a great-great-grandfather or something like that with Dick Grayson. Yeah, I really liked that whole... Because they they just have these coffins filled with dead bodies that they're going to reanimate. Yeah. All just, all just Nightwing's, like, ancestors, essentially. And yeah. Nightwing himself, Dick Grayson was also supposed to be a Talon mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah, it makes me wonder about his parents, too, because, like, his parents were the trapeze artists who died. So does that mean that, like, his dad was supposed to be a Talon, maybe? Probably, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember if it says anything like that. It's been a little bit since I've read this. Something that I thought jumped out to me was a lot of the psychological stuff, because it's this high society. It's not that there's a ton of physically imposing people in this. Um, they've got the assassins which are physically imposing to Batman, but they just straight up like stick him in a maze and starve him. Yeah. The actual court of owls, they're just, they're skinny, wafy, 
fucking wasps. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're just wearing suits and these weird masks. Yeah, but they're they're that classic like puppet master archetype where they don't get their hands dirty. They don't need to. They have people to do that for them. Yeah. Um, I really like the psychological aspect of this comic. Um, I think that's when Batman's at its best. That issue when he is in the maze is fucking awesome. It does a great job of making you feel this like psychosis that Batman is going through yeah. as he's making his way through the maze. And he's like, I'm going to get out. I just got to find it. <laughs> and he just keeps ending up in these same rooms. And at one point you have to like turn the comic upside down and flip it backwards <laughs> right. to, to progress the, it's wild. It's like, it is a very interesting technique they used for that issue specifically. It was, it did a great job of conveying this concept that he is losing his mind. Yeah. And Batman, who's always consummately in control. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Thor? As somebody who's not like a huge Batman fan, because if you talk to any Batman fan and you ask them the classic question, who would win in a fight? Superman or Batman? If you ask a Batman fan, you know what I'll say. Yeah, Batman, because he'll he'll grab some kryptonite from something. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, how do you how do you feel about the uh, kind of the the idea that batman is always prepared do you feel like that's kind of boring as a character no i think i think that's honestly one of the reasons why batman is so unique yeah and so interesting to everybody is because he doesn't have superpowers he doesn't have some magical ability to do things well being rich one of them (laughs) sure but but his actual like when he's doing things, he gets by on his smarts and he gets by on out thinking that that's something any person could do. I think that's probably part of his appeal to people for so many years. Yeah. Is that he is just an average guy, but he's a dedicated, focused guy. Well, a couple billion dollars, but yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> which help. It don't hurt. Yeah. And and so, some and some but, issues, but I but I like that because even if you look at Iron Man, it's just the money, it's just his his technology, and yeah, Batman has a lot of technology, yeah, but ultimately at the end of the day, strip him of all that, he'll he's fucking MacGyver, he'll he'll figure something out. Sure, yeah, they call him the world's greatest detective, like that's one of his monikers, Batman, the Dark Knight, the world's greatest detectives. Yeah. Um. I don't know. He's he's always been very very cool. Yeah, no. So I I enjoy that. I don't I don't have an issue with that. And specifically, I do like that, which is why I like seeing him lose control. Okay. Because Batman is that guy who seems like he's always a cool customer. He's always calm and collected. That's kind of his whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not an emotional character. There there's um there's an episode of I don't know if you remember the Justice League cartoons. Um, there was Justice League and then there was Justice League Unlimited. Where ne- they never watched those. No? Okay. So Batman is, of course, reluctant to join the group because he's Batman. And, but when he does join the group, him and Diana, Wonder Woman, are on some type of stakeout. And she um, she's talking to him and she looks at him and she goes, you know, Bruce, it might be good for you to get out and kind of socialize a little bit. And then she kind of like, 
flips her hair, puts her hair behind her ear, gives him a smile. She's, she's oh, flirting. She's trying to get some bat dick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so he looks at her and he goes, it would never work out. And it was Kevin Conroy who was Batman in the animated series, the voice of Batman. Oh, God. Um, he's like, it would never work out. And, and she's like, what? And he goes, first off, dating within the team is strictly prohibited. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, secondly, you're a princess. I'm just a spoiled rich kid with issues. And then he turns away and he goes, lots of issues. <laughs> That's... <laughs> kind of perfect right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so cool so something that i always wondered and i don't know if you know this there is an evil version of batman um from a different like an alternate earth earth 2 had something called the crime syndicate where all of the justice league members were villains rather than heroes oh very cool yeah so there was a evil version of superman called ultraman I believe that the evil version of Wonder Woman was called Superwoman. And the evil version of Batman was called Owlman. And he was the worst one out of all of them. Because imagine always being prepared like Batman is. Except now he's evil. Yeah, be, <laughs> always being prepared to rape. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? Owlman, no! <laughs> That's 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 his mo. <laughs> that was his vibe. All right, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So he was just um, absolutely ruthless and, and vindictive. I don't know if they took the image of the owl from that specifically, because this because that version of of um, Batman, I believe, existed before the Court of Owls did. So I wasn't sure if they took that in reference to that kind of evil version of Bruce, like if that's why they use the imagery of the owls or not. But I just found it interesting that the evil version of Bruce Wayne, well, I'm sorry, it wasn't Bruce Wayne. It was his younger brother, but uh, the evil version of Batman is an owl. Okay. As well. Yeah. I, and I didn't know any of that, but I liked that juxtaposition as well. Once again, it's, this really explores the arrogance of Batman. He's like, I'm the ultimate creature of the night. I'm a bat. <laughs> and it's like, you know what kills bats? Owls. Owls. <laughs> like, I, I really liked that that was kind of their their whole thing. I will say they did lean a little bit into the whole owl theme a little bit much. It was a little bit cheesy at a couple of parts where he's like, where he's making these like assumptions about this group based on how actual owls act. <laughs> I don't remember that. Like I said, it's been a little bit since um, since I've read this. What that's what that they don't sleep at night. That they cough up pellets. Like what? here, let me. I'm gonna flip through real quick okay. and see if I can find. Yeah. So Owlman was actually just to give you a little bit of history on that was not Bruce Wayne. It was Bruce Wayne's younger brother, which he did not have in classic Batman. Uh, so it was Thomas Wayne Jr. Okay. So it was Bruce Wayne's younger brother, who, from the sounds of it, was the worst. Okay. So this part, like this, for an example. Okay. He's hunting all the, the, the Court of Owls have created these, like, hiding places within different buildings across the city. 
Right. On the 13th floor of every city. And the way he figures, because he finds one, but the way he thinks to look for one is because owls, uh, what they do is they find nests abandoned or in use by rival birds and take them over. So he's like, this is what real owls do. So obviously this is what the court of owls would do. (laughs) (laughs) Like I get like narratively, it was neat. I I thought it was narratively neat, but also a little bit cheesy. (laughs) A little bit cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's comics though, right? (laughs) Like you gotta be open to having some, some cheesy, especially as DC comic fans. (sighs) They tend to be more on the, the zany cheesy side a little bit more on the ridiculous side okay yeah which i appreciate because it is a comic you should i think comics should be willing to like have fun with themselves yeah i i appreciate that yeah for sure um this was probably the one of the highlights of the new 52 some of the things that came out uh were okay some of them were not very good some of them didn't last a year like that whole publication issue. Okay. But Batman was really, really well received. Wonder Woman was really, really well received. Do you, do you think it was a case of they decided to like reboot this stuff and then they just took it in the wrong direction or people maybe just didn't want it all rebooted? Well, so what they were trying to do was imagine trying to do the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in comic book form because everything was launching at the same time. And they wanted it all to be a cohesive unit. Oh, wow. So when it started off, that was the case. But Across there was... 52 different exactly. stories? Yeah. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of communication that had to happen between writers and, you know, whoever's planning all of this stuff. Um, so, you know, as it goes on, it just kind of becomes jumbled. and Yeah, unmanageable, I assume. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that there's part of it. Part of it was that the goal was very, very loftly. I think there was a very big, uh, large ambition on on their part. But after this, actually, the New 52 is what made me quit buying comics. Because they kind of realized that they had something that was becoming unmanageable. And so they decided, I think two years after New 52 started, they decided to reboot again oh wow That's... yeah like it it may have been three years but i'm thinking it was two years so do, does that mean did they have like open storylines that they didn't conclude there was some stuff like that yeah but to me i just got frustrated because when new 52 came out i had never been a like a comic collector in the sense that i would have a box at a comic book store and I would have subscriptions coming in sure. and, and purchase. When New 52 came out, I decided to do that. Like, I'm going to get into comics. I love comics. I've always loved comics. But a lot of my comics growing up were my dad's. Or or we'd find them at a flea market, you know. Okay, yeah. You weren't reading issue by issue as they came out. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Yeah. So I thought, I am an adult. I can pay for this now. I'm going to buy some comics as they come out. So I got um, I got some. And then everything got rebooted. And I legitimately got frustrated <laughs> with with it. And it just occurred to me that Batman came out, I think, in the 1930s, like 1939, 38, somewhere around there. 
how many things can you do with that character before it's too much? Yeah. Not really a lot, you know? It's, what, 70, 80 years now? How many stories can you tell? And also, how do you continue to evolve the character to make it fresh for new audiences coming in? Yeah, while being true to all the things you've already done with it. Yeah. Makes sense. So so I've just kind of lost the the allure when they redid New 52 and they're like, okay, we're done with New 52. We're rebooting it again. And now there's going to be all sorts of, like there's different versions of Superman and different versions of Batman. So some of the New 52 Batman still exists and those comics are still running, but it's not linked to a world the way that New 52 was. And also there are other versions of Batman from previous stories that were previously canceled that they're bringing back to life and they're now bringing those up. So there are different Batman comics with that have no correlation to each okay. other. So DC decided to do with their movies what they did with their comics? Because yeah. that's kind of how like the DC movies feel too. Yeah. Like jumbled and like you never know yep. universe, timeline wise, it all seems a little bit all over the place. Yep. Which is which is fine. But when you have something like the MCU, which has done a really great job of kind of making one <clears throat> one cohesive world. Yeah. I think, uh, across multiple different properties like yeah it, i really think it's that tough. <laughs> that's a testament to marvel's accomplishments in the movie cinematic universe it really is because how many people have tried how many groups have tried to do that now uh, once marvel hit big and the first avengers came out everybody was like this we're gonna do a story and it's gonna be our universe you know they tried to make a horror universe with you remember that dracula untold movie Oh, yeah. That one? I don't know if did, you remember. I saw that in the theaters. I did, too, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah it was bad. Um, do you remember the Wolfman movie with Benicio Del Toro? No. Oh, that one wasn't a bad film, but I, I'm pretty sure that that was supposed... They, they wanted to make a like classic horror villain universe. Okay, that that actually sounds neat if those movies... Like, I didn't see the Wolfman one, but the Dracula yeah. movie sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So were, and also they already did it with League of the Extraordinary Gentlemen, the best that film already, ever. That already has it all together in there, <laughs> right? I mean, Tom Sawyer was a great character in that one. Don't let's not <laughs> let's not go down this road because I'm gonna get salty. <laughs> because because of your love for that movie yes because of my love for that movie no, i enjoy that movie as well oh wait okay i do right. i do i thought that um i really actually enjoyed dorian gray i thought he was a cool villain yeah yeah he's awesome it's such a neat concept to make a like a villain out of him and the guy who plays jekyll and hyde oh he did great i, I don't know the actor's name but i like that guy yeah you know the majority of that was a suit yeah like and and not cg which uh, was nuts to me Anyway, um, yeah. Sean Connery is William Quatermain, which I think is just a character they created for that story. I think so too. Yeah. But yeah, goddamn, I love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It, you know, what's a really depressing thing about that is <laughs> okay. He, so Sean Connery was approached for the Matrix to be Morpheus, and okay. and he's like. I read the script and I didn't really understand it, so I passed on it. It did really well. 
And then they approached me about Lord of the Rings. I didn't really understand it, so I passed on the script. Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, Lord of the Rings goes to be very, very successful. Matrix goes to be very, very successful. So then he gets the script for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and he doesn't quite understand it. In the same way that he didn't understand The Matrix uh-huh. and Lord of the Rings. And that movie flops. And yeah. that's his last film. Really? Yep. Oh, went out on top. <laughs> <laughs> it may have flopped in, 100%. it may have flopped uh, monetary wise, but yeah. in my heart, sure. it reigns supreme. You can't do it in one shot, boy. Don't do it at all. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good movie. And the Invisible Man is just like a little bit of a creep. A little bit. Which, like, anytime I see... Because the story of the Invisible Man has been done, like, so many times. There was a movie with Ethan Hawke. Or, no, Kevin Bacon, Hollow Man. I remember Hollow Man. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the movie with that came out recently with... Oh, gosh, who was the, the main protagonist? It's a female actress. Uh, but they did the Invisible Man. Oh, but it was the Invisible Woman. No, no, it was the Invisible Man, and they, it was, it was essentially the concept of it was the main protagonist is a female actress, very popular right now. I can't, I'm blanking on who it is. Oh, um, Handmaid's Tale, and oh, the woman from Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, and, and Mad also Men. Mad Men. Okay, yeah. I I don't know Emily her name. Moss. Okay, so the whole concept is she breaks up with this guy and he supposedly kills himself, but actually he was like a rich, he was like an abusive like boyfriend, okay. but he was super rich and he kind of like kept her like locked away and was like very abusive. So he kills himself or she thinks he dies. Turns out he just turned himself invisible and then he stalks her like as an invisible guy. And this is a movie that exists? Yeah, it came out like 2 2 or 3 years ago. What? Yeah. I, I it's not particularly good. It's not really bad. It's almost like a horror suspense movie. I don't know this. Yeah, it's just called The Invisible Man. It's but, just called The Invisible That's the name of the movie? Yeah. I think The Invisible Man 2020, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Look at that. Um, I don't know anything about this movie at all. Yeah, it's not great. Okay. But in any case, whenever I watch movies like that, I always think, like, I would just be a creep if I was invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and and they do that concept justice okay. in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The Invisible Man is just sure. a creep. I think that if I was invisible... I think that I would probably just be a prankster. I feel like I'd have to be. Oh well, yeah, you're gonna prank. You got for sure. to. I I would I would go to New York and just mess with people on the streets of New York. Oh, it'd be awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. Find some woman with her freaking chihuahua in her purse. Just pick it up. Just pick up the chihuahua. <laughs> Let that thing freak I out. I think what I would do, no. Oh my god, this is what you do. You find somebody with a dog, yeah, and then you just start following them for like a year, and just talking to them like you're their dog, and just make them, <laughs> and just make them think that their dog is talking to them. 
<laughs> like you find somebody who lives alone and they only yeah. have a dog or maybe a cat either sure. way. And you just spend all your time talking to them as if you were their pet and make them think that they're like their pet talks to them. And then when you're bored of it, you just leave, you just leave. and just leave the, and then <laughs> they spend the rest of their life wondering like, what did I do? Why does my, why, why are you not talking to me anymore? Yeah. Do you think that they would have a, uh, they might try to do some Dr. Doolittle stuff. If that's the case, they might try to open up a vet. A- oh man. If you were good at voices, you could do voices of multiple. other animals too. You could do multiple. Now it's going to be tough because you can only do it when that person is alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you bring you bring the the animal into the vet. A lot. Of, well, do you bring the animal into the into the vet alone ever? I guess probably not. I don't know. I haven't. There would be some logistics, but yeah. I mean. Oh, I love this idea. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? Oh my god! I mean, that is a commitment to a bit. <laughs> yeah, and it's real. <laughs> it's some real psychological devious it, shit to do to somebody. It really, is. it really is. But then you could tell people about it. I mean, yeah, and it doesn't have to be a pet. You could also just make somebody think they're going insane. Just whenever, just once again, follow somebody around anytime they're alone. Pretend you're like a demon in their head. Yeah, or a poltergeist or something. Yeah, could have a lot of fun. I would do it in professional sporting events. I, like I would pick Tom Brady. All right, I would get onto the football field, and when he's getting ready to hike that ball, just like not tap him. Yeah, just poke him shoulder. You know, touch his shoulder. That's smart. And then you go in cahoots with somebody. Like bet on the Jets this weekend. Oh, there you go. And, and you just fuck with you just fuck with the Patriots so they can't win. Yeah, pick up the uh, pick up the the referee's whistle and just blow into it. Just cause confusion. Of yeah, what? just just grab the flags and start throwing them on the sidelines so people think that fouls are happening. Well, you don't want to draw. See, that's a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty big arena because you don't want the government tracking you trying to figure out how you turned invisible. Well, you don't let people know that you're invisible. That's but, I thing. mean, if they see flags flying and shit, they're going to be like, something's going on. Okay, if you see flags... Then somebody's going to be watching that game, like somebody in the CIA, and be like, I know an invisible person when I see it. I know the signs. <laughs> I know. And then they're putting on the heat vision goggles, and you're going down, <laughs> Buster. I know an invisible person when I see them. I know that. Well, well I know the signs. There's some telltale sure. signs. Okay. See, my thought is people are superstitious by nature. If you start doing that stuff, people will just think that the stadium's haunted. Okay, yeah, I guess that's a possibility too. Yeah, here's what you do. What's the one they think Jimmy Hoffa's buried underneath? Is that the Philly? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. Here's what you do though. You go and you have a sit-down meeting with the owner of whatever team. Pick a team. You know what? Let's pick the Browns because they need money. Um, you go to Cleveland. You meet the owner, invisible and such, and you make a deal with him. Be like, look, I can make this stadium famous. Make the claim that it's haunted. And then it becomes a tourist attraction in addition to having, you know, ticket sales and things like that. Yeah. And then you get a cut. But I think he would probably even say, well, I could make a lot more money if our team could just win more games. So why don't you just follow us on the road and fuck with the other team? 
Maybe. He's like, he'd be like, no, screw the haunting thing. Just help us win just games. Just help us win games. Help, just I guess just help us. <laughs> like, <laughs> we haven't won a Super Bowl yet. Please. Uh, I guess. Maybe. I don't know how we got here, Thor. Um, what do you think of Batman? I liked it. <laughs> okay. I, li- I liked this book, yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> so... So we talked a little bit. We talked a little bit about um, just about the general storyline, kind of the way that it's done aesthetically. How do you feel about the visual elements of it? Do you think that I'm off a little bit on the whole uh, cartoon style? No, I get it. Um, it's this. I like that a lot of the panels are they have like a simplicity to them almost. Sure. So, so I get what you're saying. It almost feels more animated. Yeah. Um, once again, for me specifically, I kind of like that style. Okay. Do you think that this is something, because I'm a comic book guy, do you think that this is something that if you're not a comic book guy, you would like? Like, not, does this does this have as big of an appeal? I, th- I think the biggest thing it has going for it, the art is good. I enjoy it. Sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's the best I've ever seen. And once again, I haven't read a ton of comic books, so maybe I've just read, like, the best of the best and seeing the best of the best. Um, But for me, I think the story is so interesting. That's what really struck me is because I've read a number of comics um, with our buddy Zach McCrary on the comics that we love. Yes. And what strikes me a lot about comics is I don't love the way comics are written. A lot of times I feel like the dialogue a lot of times is very, like simple and on the nose. And I get it has to fit into a, a small little text bubble. Sure. There, there's only so much you can do with that because it has to kind of re- it, it kind of has to rip through a story in a way that where you could expand in like a novel or something like that. Okay. So for me, a lot of times the, the dialogue and the stories of comics fall a little flat for me personally. Okay. In this, I felt like the story was the the story carried this. Okay. The, the actual storytelling, the dialogue, the way it's written. Yeah. So one thing that I would say just about as far as dialogue in comics in general is that it's not just the text that is carrying the story often. They often try to find a balance to give you what you need to read, but also tell the story through visual means. Yes. As well. So so they're not just relying on text. They're also using imagery to tell you things without reading with, like without reading it. Like you can see that there's a character down a hallway, but they don't have to say, look at that character down the hallway. Uh, exactly. Or a menacing figure comes down the hall. You know? So so a lot of times their dialogue is short and descript uh, and concise because that's not the only thing that they're trying to convey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that, I would say though, uh, I don't know if you've read the Watchmen comic. No, that thing is dense. It's really dense. It's paragraphs and paragraphs of text. Um, that's probably the most dense thing that I've ever read. And I think that <clears throat> that's a very, very well written book. It's done by, uh, I'm pretty sure Alan Moore did that. Comic fans were probably freaking out that I didn't say it was Alan Moore. Definitely. But, um, it was just a lot. And most comic books don't try to do that. Okay. Yeah. And, well, and once again, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I understand the 
like the necessity to do it shortened like that. But for me, I just don't personally love it. That's probably one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of comics in general. But this one, I felt, all the dialogue felt very intentional, felt purposeful, and it didn't feel, like, simple. Okay. um, So I I love the story in this, and I love dialogue. Art-wise, I I love the art. It's gritty. It's, like, kind of a little bit simplified. Sure. Once again, I enjoy it. I will say the my only beef with it is I feel like the comic visually is very dark. It's okay. a lot of dark tones. And there are some some of the panels are just genuinely hard to read as far as like what's going on in the picture. Oh, okay. Yeah, you I know, can see that. Which and it, that feels aesthetically like a choice. Not one you particularly enjoy. Y- yeah, I I just personally, I didn't love it. I mean, I got it. I appreciated it, Mm -hmm. Um, but it just made it a little bit hard to follow what was going on at certain points. Sure. Because like you said, that what's going on in the art is a device to help tell the story. So it's tough when uh, it's tough to read what's going on in the picture, because if that's supposed to inform the story and I can't entirely see what's going on in the picture sure. or make out what's going on, it kind of makes it a little bit tough to know exactly what's happening. That makes sense. But And that was only a few parts, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, this comic ends with the Court of Owls basically uh, saying that through this whole thing, Batman has been dealing with one of these assassins. And then this story kind of ends with the Court of Owls saying, you know what? Enough is enough. We're getting out of the shadows. And we're we're hitting the streets, folks. Yeah. Basically, we're going after Batman. He doesn't rule this city. It's us. Yeah, I love that because that's <clears throat> them. Say, like, that's the story showing you like, oh, they're scared. Yeah. Because they're they're acting like, oh, Batman ain't shit. We've seen heroes before and we'll see heroes again. We're fucking eternal. We are the city. Yeah. We've done all of this. And they, they're paying him no mind. They're not scared of Batman. And then once they realize, oh, he's gotten out of the maze, he killed the Talon. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, oh, maybe we should be concerned about this guy. He might be a little bit different than the other guys <laughs> the we other faced ones. before. Yeah. Yeah. So the next big arc, I believe, is called Night of the Owls or Night of Owls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is basically that it's, it's them unleashing all the talons and just, it's a very, very long night where they go after a whole bunch of the high society of Gotham. Uh, so like the extremely wealthy, those people who run Gotham, uh, quote unquote, are at the forefront of importance within the city. And so it's the whole bat family fighting talons. Very cool. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do the court of owls. Do they know that Batman is Bruce Wayne? Because they're kind of because the reason he ends up fighting with the Talon mm-hmm. is because the like, the Talon is supposed to be killing Bruce Wayne, right? Um, so the answer to that, I'm pretty sure, is no. Okay, because they end up going after Bruce Wayne near the beginning of the next arc, and. As they go after Bruce Wayne, they kind of like a Talon kind of stumbles into the Batcave 
Oh, okay. When he goes into the manor. Yeah, and it kind of goes from there. Because that was because they had fucked with his his like great great grandfather as well. There was that yeah that piece where they were kind of discussing how everybody thought his great great grandfather had went insane and like jumped in front of a train or like got lost in the sewers and never was found. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good man. I'm I'm glad that you like it. Um, I think it's about that time. I think we're ready for ratings. Cool. So. Uh, how would you rate this on one out of ten talons? I think so. I'm gonna rate this versus other comics I've read. Okay. And I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, no, I I agree. I see why you love this. Yeah. It's really good. And peek behind the curtain for the audience is. Before we recorded, I was like, so um, do you have the next the next <laughs> book? Like, I want to keep reading. I want to know what yeah. happened. I genuinely, I really enjoyed this story. Yeah. I really yeah. did. I think it's a fascinating story. I get what you're saying about them taking Batman. Because this was the first time that the Court of Owls had appeared, right? It was yeah. created for this. Correct. Yep. Yeah. It feels different than the Batman stories that I was expecting or that I've seen before. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what drew me into a lot, not just Batman, but um, they really took a different approach and kind of did a, a nice fresh take on a lot of heroes. Animal man, for example, I don't know if you're even aware of who that is. No. Um, Does he turn into animals? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But it, it gets real dark. Like it's taken in a really weird spot. It's, great <laughs> okay it sounds fun. great um this all the new 52 also was uh had probably the best arc of aquaman that's ever been done it turned aquaman into a badass okay because cool. he was forever the joke of the dc universe right it's like the fish guy who talks to fish and then you can't do anything on land um so they altered his abilities a little bit and they just kind of did things that make sense because Batman, I'm sorry, not Batman, Aquaman swims really fast in the ocean, right? Yeah. That was just a thing that he did. Well, in the New 52, they're like, well, he swims really fast in the ocean. What does that mean? That means that his body has to be dense enough to survive on the ocean floor. So they kind of wrote that into his power set. And they kind of, so like there's a part where he gets shot and he's almost bulletproof because his body literally is so dense because it's used to the pressure of the ocean. Being at the bottom of the ocean, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so there's there's things like that where they just kind of reworked his power kit a little bit. And it went from him talking to fish and being like, hey, whale, how you doing? You want to help me out a little bit with this thing? <laughs> yeah. To he can just control their minds and take over. Okay. So, so and also just they changed his power set and then they also changed his mentality and actually made him a king because he's a king of the ocean like 75 percent of the world is his domain and so they kind of brought that into the character as well very very good aquaman run uh wonder woman was really really good there was a series called justice league dark where it was kind of the the dark and macabre um uh, part of the DC universe where it followed John Constantine and uh, 
the magician superhero Zatanna and this guy named Deadman. Deadman is a ghost who happened to be like an acrobat trapeze artist, gymnast. <laughs> so the way that he fights people is he possesses people and then uses that body to fight people. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, they did a lot of really, really cool things with the New 52. Batman was just one of a couple of those things. Okay, right on. But yeah, I get it. I get it. And I want to keep continue reading it because I think it's a... I really like storytelling. It's very dark. It's very dynamic. It's uh, It really just has me hooked. And I think it's a very cool direction. So I'm definitely interested to keep reading it. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, have you read The Court of Owls? Because you should. If you haven't yet, you could probably find it on Amazon for pretty cheap uh, or find a digital copy somewhere as well. It's been out for a bit of uh, 10, 12 years at least um, in that range of, of, of time period. So check it out. Court of Owls, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. Let us know what you think, especially you guys down there in Florida. You got your own Batman going on. By the name of Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Fighting the war against the mouse. <laughs> Doing the good fight for DC. Getting rid of all that stuff. Down with Marvel. That's probably what their whole goal is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his whole issue with uh, Disney. <laughs> his superhero stuff. The superhero beef. Yep. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? Let us know. Uh, you can send us an email. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Thor, how do we spell that? It's at Get Wrecked Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or contact us directly by email at getwreckedpod at gmail.com. It's G I T R E C D P O D at gmail.com. All right, Thor, what are we getting into next? All right, so next week we have our friend of the show, the podcast kingpin himself, Zach McCrary. Wants to come in because he has something to recommend to us. Oh, geez. What is he recommending this time? It's a film. I I know nothing about it other than he said it's a bit wild. Oh. And it's called The Holy Mountain. Well, we love wild here. Um. <laughs> so we're going to get together and watch <laughs> it with him. Okay. Because he was like, this is one we need to watch together. Which immediately I was like, all right. Sure. That sounds good. Uh, okay. So the Holy Mountain. I don't know anything about it, folks. I, I wish I could tell you to find it somewhere. It might be an old movie. It might be a new movie. Sounds like an old movie. <laughs> but maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't think it's particularly old. It's definitely strange, though, from, uh, what he, how he does, like, was talking about it. Oh, so. could you give us a teaser? Cause oh, I no, he didn't describe anything about it. He just said, it's wild and it's kind of weird. Oh, okay. So that that was the whole description I got of it. Okay. So All we're right. going to watch together, and then we're going to review it on the show. All right. There you have it, folks. Next week, The Holy Mountain. I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. Google it, and you can figure out where to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You, we, we trust you guys. We believe that our audience is intelligent, unlike other audiences. Um, yeah. All right. Well, until next time, folks. As always, you get wrecked stay wrecked yeah i'm a rich kid with issues bats girl scout cookies and justice (laughs) 